Good morning, and welcome to Lincoln Square Presbyterian Church. We gather here in the presence of Almighty God to come and to respond in worship. And I want to welcome those who are obviously here in person, but also those joining us online, that God has called us into our life to come and to worship, to gather as his people. Uh, and as we begin our time, I want to uh, direct you to our order of worship and highlight some announcements. Um, the first thing on the, on the front cover is one of the photographs from our current art show in the community space. And so uh, inside, the inside cover tells you more about that show and about the artist. Uh, but I want to especially highlight that, that this coming Saturday, the 19th, there is an open house and discussion uh, with the artist. And so that's at 5 o'clock in the community space. I hope that you can come. It's a great, it'll be a great time to be together, but also a chance to invite friends or neighbors who might be interested in uh, really meaningful uh, artwork that's uh, available to, to see and to be discussed. So that's Saturday the 19th. Also, just a couple other things to highlight is that um, there is a men's uh, NCAA basketball watch party on Friday, on March 18th. And so if you're interested in that, you can come to 6 o'clock in the community space. There'll be food and a chance to, uh, to be together and enjoy the games. Uh, also, there is an intro to LSBC lunch today. Uh, if you're planning on coming, just a reminder, it's at 11 o'clock over on Rockwell at the, uh, the community space there at 11 to around 1 or a little after 1. We'll have food and talk about the church together. Um, the last thing to mention is that inside the order of worship, you, I forgot to bring mine up, but there's a little card that says days of prayer. And so I encourage you to take that with you and uh, put it in your Bible or on your refrigerator or someplace that you'll see it. Um, the elders of the church are inviting us all to set aside time intentionally on the next few Wednesdays to pray for our church, for God's leading and direction, for his provision for property and finances. So. I encourage you to, to take that with you and hold on to that, that we might join together um, and pray as God's people. At this time, children are dismissed for the classes. There's a preschool class, there's children's worship class, uh, there's also the third through fifth grade class. Those are all downstairs. They can make their way to the back where Miss Melinda will meet them and take them downstairs. As we prepare to worship, let's take a moment of quiet to prepare ourselves to come before God. Good morning. Our call to worship today is from Psalm 27. Will you stand with us and we'll sing it together. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Of whom shall I be afraid? The The Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life, of whom shall I be afraid? Though an army encamp around me, my heart shall not fear. Though war arise against me, yet I will be confident. The Lord is my is my light <laughs> for he will hide me in the shelter in the day of trouble 
He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me high upon a rock. I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord, be strong, and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Of whom shall I be afraid? The Lord is my light and my salvation. Of whom shall I be afraid? I will call upon the Lord. He is worthy to be praised. My rock, my salvation, and my refuge. Though the flood may keep on rising and the sun refuse to shine, His faithfulness will never change. In my distress I cried, How long, O oh Lord, how long? Then He bowed the heavens and came down swiftly on the wings of the wind. Almighty eternal God, who sent your Son, Jesus Christ, into the world to preach peace to those far and to those near, we give you praise and our worship this morning, for you are worthy. In Christ Jesus, you have broken down the barriers that separate us from one another and your holy presence. You seek to bring an end to the hostility that lives within our hearts and souls and against one another. This morning, some of us are feeling the weight of our sins. Draw near, to, draw near to us. Draw us near to your throne of grace. Some of us come filled with fears and concerns, and still in our hearts a love that casts out all fear. Some of us come filled with joyful expectations, waiting for your spirit to guide and direct us. We ask that you would draw near to us now. 
wherever we might find ourselves this morning, we belong here with you and with your people. We ask that your spirit and your presence would be with us as we worship. God of mission, who sends us into the world, we seek to be a community gathered by the good news of Christ. We seek to grow in our repentance, our love for God, our love for one another, and our love for our neighbor. Lord God, we ask that we would not be a church and a community that just exists for itself, but that we, that we may be a community that sacrifices and serves those around us, especially those who are vulnerable and in need. You have called us to live out our faith here in Chicago, here in the neighborhood of Lincoln Square, and in the surrounding neighborhoods of Albany Park, Ravenswood, Rogers Park, Jefferson Park, Uptown, and the broader North Side. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear the concerns and longings of those that we encounter each and every day. Through our words and actions, through our presence here in the neighborhood and city, may our neighbors come to know the depth of your love and the breadth of your forgiveness and the heights of your glory in Christ Jesus. We do not presume to have all the answers to how to carry out your missional call to live and proclaim the faith of Christ. We humbly come seeking your guidance and direction. We have more questions than answers, and we even carry with us doubts. We come to you, the source of all truth and life. And Lord God, we continue to recognize that there are those in our community who have lost loved ones. In particular, we want to lift up our beloved sister, Casey Fox, who has lost her mother unexpectedly. Lord, we ask that you would draw near to her this day, this very morning, that she would know your presence, that you are with her. Lord, we pray for her father, a loving husband. Lord, we ask that you would be with him as he grieves the wife of his, uh, the loss of his wife. And Lord, we pray for their family as a whole. We ask that you would give them a peace that surpasses all understanding and that you would comfort them and the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. We pray this in Christ's holy name. Amen. Well, as we continue to worship, God invites us now into a time of confession to bring before him our sins, our shortcomings. We will first do this publicly through prayer and through song and then have a moment of personal private confession. Would you join me now? Come now, let us settle the matter, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. Gracious and gentle Father, we confess to you the sins that we continue to struggle with, even after confessing them to you time and time again. Give us hope and perseverance and show us your love and favor. We pray through Jesus our Lord. Amen. This morning's Song of Confession is a conversation between a believer and his discouraged soul. So we'll sing the italic parts and invite you to sing with us on the bold. Come my soul and let us try for a 
you to have a moment of private confession. Gracious, merciful God, we bring before you 
deep places, deep wounds that we carry because of our sins. And yet, gracious God, it is because of the wounds of Christ and his forgiveness and grace that we can find healing even at this very moment. We thank you for him and his name. Amen. Would you please stand with me and we'll say these words of assurance that come from 2 Corinthians 5. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. Amen. You may be seated. Reading from the scriptures, the law of God, Genesis chapter 15. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram, I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, This man shall not be your heir, but your own very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, Look toward the heaven, and number the stars, if you are able to number them. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord, and he counted it to him as righteousness. And he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldees to give you this land to possess. But he said, O Lord God, how am I to know that I shall possess it? He said to him, Bring me a heifer, three years old, a female goat, three years old, a ram, three years old, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. And he brought him all these, cut them in half, and laid each half over against the other, but he not, did not cut the birds in half. And when the birds of prey came down on the carcasses, Abram drove them away. As the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell on Abram. And behold, a dreadful and great darkness fell upon him. Then the Lord said to Abram, Know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in a land that is not their own, and will be servants there, and they will be afflicted for four hundred years. But I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve, and afterward they will come out with great possessions. As for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace. You shall be buried in good old age. And they shall come back here in the fourth generation, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. When the sun had gone down and it was dark, behold, a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch passed between these pieces. On that day the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, To your offspring I give this land from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates. From the Gospel of Luke, chapter 13. At that very hour, some Pharisees came to him and said to him, Get away from here, for Herod wants to kill you. And he said to them, Go tell that fox. Behold, I cast out demons and perform cures today and tomorrow, and the third day I finish my course. Nevertheless, I must go on my way today and tomorrow, 
and the day following. For it cannot be that a prophet should perish away from Jerusalem. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you were not willing. Behold, your house is forsaken. And I tell you, you will not see me until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Mark, for reading God's word and thankful for a chance to worship with you and look at God's word together. We're continuing our series on Ephesians chapter 4. You'll see a note in your order of worship. The scripture gives a number of names to God's people, and some of the ones that we're highlighting during the season, strangers, wanderers, sojourners, and travelers. In these particular names, we are reminded of the truth that we have not yet arrived on our journey, but that we are still on the way, in between, not yet home. And so one aspect of this journey is in Ephesians 4, what's described as taking off the old self and putting on the new self in Christ. And last Sunday, at the beginning of this chapter, we, we asked this question, how do we start? How do we start on such a journey of, of taking off the old and putting on the new? And today, we can ask a question of where are we trying to go? You know? Where are we going? What is the goal? Who are we hoping to become? In the novel Fake Accounts, one of the opening uh, early scenes of the book, the narrator is snooping through her boyfriend's phone. (laughs) And his apps are all arranged in an unfamiliar way. And the look with fresh eyes makes all the colorful options, you know, the camera, the, the browser, the, the ride-sharing apps, and the others, it makes them immediately overwhelming. They're not where they're, they are on her phone. And in the book, the narrator writes, the effect was to prevent my eyes from focusing without really exhausting them, though, making me feel that I was seeing too much but seeing nothing at all. Seeing too much, but seeing nothing at all. Maybe you can relate to that since there's so much there, I can't see anything. Everywhere it seems that we're surrounded by images and voices, countless forces kind of competing for our notice. And this is especially challenging as we seek a worthy answer to the questions I just mentioned. Where are we trying to go? Who are we hoping to become? So many demands, so many competing offers. You need to do this, you need to go that direction, you you need to not do that. Have you done enough? The poet Mary Oliver writes, attention is the beginning of devotion. Attention is the beginning of devotion. 
or to say it another way, where we fix our gaze matters. Where we fix our gaze matters. What I'm hoping that we can see in our passage is that we are invited to see Christ as a trailblazer worthy of our devotion. And it offers that growing up, maturing into the fullness of Christ is a goal worthy of our attention. So let's look at our passage. This is Ephesians chapter 4. 4 through 16, you can follow in your Bible or your order of worship or just listen as I read. It's the Apostle Paul writing, There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he had also descended into the lower regions, the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry for building up the body of Christ until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried out by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness of deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. This is God's word given for our good. Well, as you just grasp, there's a lot going on in our passage and a lot that we could talk about. But I want us to direct our attention to two calls for our attention. Two calls for our attention that Christ is the leader, the trailblazer worthy of our devotion. And that growing up, maturing into the likeness of Christ is a goal worthy of our attention. So Christ is worthy of our devotion. We can start with the quote that's highlighted in our passage from Psalm 68. When he ascended on high... He led a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. This psalm that's being quoted is a victory song. It was sung to the one who defeated the oppressor, to the one who freed the captives and who gave them gifts. It's a remembering of the Exodus. God, through Moses, freed his people from bondage and gave them his special presence and his covenant You are my special ones, he said. Here, the victory song is directed to Jesus. To Jesus. He's accomplished a new exodus, and this victory of the psalm highlights is described in two verbs, that he ascended and he gave. He ascended and he gave. Christ ascended, and this is coupled in their kind of a 
the, par- the parentheses of our passage. If he ascended, that means he also descended. And so that's where we start. The eternal Son of God descended in his incarnation, in his taking on flesh. He descended. He was born. He entered our condition. He faced our enemies. He descended. He came to the captives, to those who were crying out. He even descended into the lower regions, meaning sin and death, the places of condemnation, in order to face that which holds you and me. See, that's the song of victory is inviting us to think about that which holds us, that there would be one who enters into those deep and broken places to bring something new. He came down, the world condemned Jesus. He bore the curse of the cross, identifying with our sin and even died. Yet none of these judgments could hold him. And see, the one who descended is the one who has ascended. He was raised to new life and the resurrection. The condemned one becomes the vindicated one. And God declares him greater than all other powers, greater than our sin, and greater even than death. Describing this victory in Colossians 2, we read, When you were dead in your sins, God made you alive in Christ. He forgave us all of our sins by canceling the record of debt that stood against us and condemned us. Jesus has taken it away and nailed it to the cross. This is the description of the victory that he accomplished, bringing forth the captives with him. Here's the good news. The good news for you and me. Jesus has ascended to heaven where he sat down at God's right hand, not only having a victory for himself, but for all his people. Christ ascended and he is worthy of our devotion. And this ascended one, though, is also described as giving gifts to those that he has set free. And it brings us back to those opening questions. Why? Why would he give gifts? And what are they for? Or to ask the way I did in the beginning, what is the goal that we're headed towards? What are we hoping to become? And the hope that he gives, the, gift, the reasons the gifts are given, is that we may together grow up or mature into the likeness of Christ. And that this is a worthy goal. In this second part of our passage, when Paul talks about maturity, about, about this question of what are we hoping will happen in our life, he stacks together three kind of quick images. A little child a boat being tossed on the stormy sea, and a cunning trickster (laughs) gambling with loaded dice, as one author says. This is a strange collection, right? It sounds like the opening of like a a joke or uh, some kind of strange movie, maybe. A little one, a boat unable to control the waves, and someone destined to lose a fixed game. This strange collection all are meant to point to our vulnerability, to what it feels like to be out of control. 
And the reason I think he gives those images in this place is to help us even give voice to our condition, to what it's like for you and I to live in this world, our weariness, what it's like to be pushed by waves, what it's like to be in the midst of circumstances that we long to be different, but we cannot change. Or the sorrow and the anger of a world full of people who are happy to use you. Who see you as just a means to make money or get what they want. Or just you know, a way for them to shift their burdens onto you. Paul gives us these images in the midst of these questions about maturity, also to ask in our vulnerability, in our condition, what do we do? Where do we seek a sense of security? What do we do with this lack of control? And you and I know that there are many answers to that. Often things like accumulating resources, getting the next thing, a different house or a different car, or whatever else we think might make things different. Fostering a good reputation, making sure that everyone sees us a certain way. Climbing up a ladder so that you have a more powerful position that you cannot be touched or you cannot be things be taken from you. Controlling your house or your children, making sure that everything goes the way your successful plan will go. And it's into that vulnerability that Paul offers something different. That what Christ is inviting us to is not more things or more strength in ourselves, but into growing up in him, maturing in him. And I want us, over the next couple of weeks in our chapter, we'll look more and more what that maturity looks like. It'll be fleshed out. But I want to see two quick things. What does that maturity look like? First, it's maturity is rooted in Christ. Maturity is rooted in Christ, and that maturity is expressed in love. Maturity doesn't mean that we no longer feel vulnerable, no longer face threats, no longer have difficult circumstances. The maturity isn't no more challenges. Maturity is learning to rest in the gift of Christ. Maturity is learning to rest in the gift of Christ. It's having a sense of self, a sense of identity, a sense of direction that are not ultimately derived from you or somehow rooted in your ability to get things done or be strong enough. But this sense of ourselves or identity or direction is rooted in Christ. Receive the gift that in Christ he has led forth the captives and he has given us the new name that we are children of God. Children of God. That our sins that which condemn us are taken away. So the journey with Jesus to follow him as a trailblazer, to find a goal worthy of our attention means setting down the illusion of self-sufficiency setting down the illusion of control so that we can take hold of the gift that is given to us and grow into an identity that has already been established. So maturity is rooted in Christ and maturity is expressed in love. 
the gifts that Jesus gives, these gifts that raise the question of why are we here? What are we to do with them? They're part of his story. The captives are now his people. The captives have been set free, and he invites the captives now to live as his free people who share their gifts with one another. That we will no longer practice the way of the world where we would use others or seek to make them captive, but that we would give generously as we've been given to. See, Jesus has revealed what true life is. He set forth a path, a journey, a destination. As I have loved you, you are to love one another. I came not to be served, but to serve, and the greatest among you is the servant among you. The mature one speaks truth in love. The mature one builds up in love. It's not just enough to speak truth. But maturity says that you do so in love to build up the body that you're a part of. I had a professor in seminary who repeated all the time a passage from 1 Corinthians that knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. (laughs) I'm not sure if you've heard that passage, but knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. That it's possible that we hold on to knowledge, information, to the things that we, you know, we know for the purpose of our pride, the purpose of even setting ourselves apart. But Jesus says that gifts were given to us for a larger purpose, that we may learn to love one another as he's loved us. For maturity is deepening the bonds of love that unite us to each other, deepening in the love that Christ has shown us. I pray that we may be a people who follow a worthy trailblazer in Christ and that we give our attention to a goal that's worthy to grow up into that Christ. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for who you are and your good word. We do pray that you would speak to us, that you'd open our eyes in the midst of all the different voices and distractions, that we would seek you, that which is life and which is worthy of our lives. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Will you please stand with us and we'll sing together.
may be seated. Well, having heard God's word, and we're now invited to the table that God sets for his people. We're participating in communion today through uh, the prepackaged elements that were there at the welcome table as you came in. If you're participating in communion, if you need one, just raise your hand and Monica can bring one to you. Anyone need one for the service? All right. Well, this table is, belongs to Christ. And those who gather around it are not the ones who figured out how to set themselves free or how to carry everything themselves. Those who have a place around the table are those who have been set free. Those who confess their vulnerability and their sin and their need in Christ. For as we come to this table, we're invited to receive the gift that Christ has given to us. If you are a follower of Christ and know of your need, this table is set for you. This table is also an invitation as you think about who you are and where it is you're headed. Christ invites you to come to him and receive the gift that he is the one who has set the captive free and given gifts that together we may gather around his table as his people. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for who you are and we thank you for this table. We pray, Lord, that we may come confessing our need, setting down our illusion of self-control and self-sufficiency that we may find rest in you and be the ones who receive the gift that you give. We thank you for this bread and cup. We pray, Lord, that as we come, your spirit will strengthen us and lift our heads that we may go forth as people following a worthy path, learning how to love. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. If you're participating in communion, I invite you to go ahead and open the, the cups and prepare those. For On the night that he was betrayed, after giving thanks, Jesus took the bread and he broke it, saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. The same way after supper, Jesus took the cup, saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. As often as you drink it, do so in remembrance of me. For as often as we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. Christ's body was broken to make us whole. Let us eat in faith. And Christ's blood was shed to cover all of our sins. Let us drink in faith. In response to this table of grace, I invite you to stand with me that we can pray and sing and confess our faith together. Oh my God, you have not given us a spirit of cowardice, but rather a spirit of perseverance and of love. Give us hope as we proclaim the mystery of faith.
confess our faith together through the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Well, we've participated in the generosity of God through his word and table, and I invite you to, to give uh, generously to the work of, of the church. You can give in the back. There's uh, silver offering plates there, or uh, you can give through the church uh, website uh, as well. One other note, just if you are interested in the Lent devotional that we have, there's some on the welcome table that you can pick up on the way out. It was also attached to the weekly email as a, as a PDF. Let's now respond to God's generosity by singing together the doxology. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures Receive now God's blessing. May the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be found blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus. He who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. Amen. You may go in peace. Mm -hmm.